want to read some scripture to us today. First, found in Isaiah chapter 41. And just a caveat to know that this verse, the actual point of this verse, is a promise to Israel. It's not our promise specifically in this text. But we can see from Philippians 1 6 that he promised to continue to work in us. John, that we are being grafted into the vine, that Jesus said that, that he who the Father has chosen, those he holds onto in his hand, and no one can pluck him, us, out of the Father's hand. We know in Hebrews 13 that he says that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So we know these things to be evident and true for us as believers, as the body of Christ. But we also know that this is also for Israel and first and foremost for them. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then in our text this morning from Psalm 19, which we'll be studying later on, the law of the Lord is perfect. That is our title. It says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies above proclaim his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising, it is the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the ends of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commands of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much gold, sweeter than honey and dripping of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare to me innocence from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He is worthy. Because God is. He is worthy. And we are here because he is worthy. We're listening because he is worthy. We're reading God's word because he is worthy. Your uh, emailed notes in the bulletin, and some of you may not have the notes, 
I will do my best uh, to let you know what they are, and we will work our way through this. I'm going to be short and to the point. I want to encourage you this morning, because your perception of God determines how you perceive God. And how you perceive God, also how you relate to God. And then if you see your notes, dot, 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 because how you see God, how you relate to God, how you perceive Him, changes how you see the things going on in the world. The other is true also. How you perceive things in the world can also change how you see God, how you relate to God, and how your perception of God can change so quickly. Where you start determines where you go. And that's really what I want to encourage us with this morning. Because that's where we started back in Psalm 46, when we discover that God is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our river that makes glad our life. He is the river of life. He has called us to be planted by the streams of living water. We move from the fact that we need to, in times like these, focus on who God is. Because who God is is far greater than anything else. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. I like to go to verse 9 and 10. It also tells us we stopped and we said, now look, now that we know who God is, what do we do? The more we focus on who God is, the more we realize we have to trust Him. One of the things is, is that because God is so much greater, He's asking us to trust because he is greater than what we can see, sometimes feel. He's greater than our emotions. He's greater than this world. He's the creator of this world. We have to trust. And the more that we acknowledge God, the more that he makes, we realize he makes our path straight. He's talked about in the Hebrew, the literal meaning of that, that he has gone before us and he has straightened out the path. So in that way, we are free from obstacles so we can get where we need to go and that he has prepared for us a place, Jesus said. So much so that in John 17, he prayed for all of his disciples. He prayed for us. He told us not to be discouraged because where he is going he is going to prepare a place that we might be there also. God has gone before us and straightened out the path. We need to trust that. We don't need to always trust in what we see or feel. But we need to trust the God that is. In Psalm 19, and that's where we're coming from this morning, and I want to look at, specifically, we're only looking at verse 8 this morning. But I want to give you the background. In your notes, you'll see three things. That God reveals himself in creation. In Psalm 19, we read earlier in the very beginning that in verses 1 through 6, we see that the glory or the heavens declare the glory of God. 
We see God in creation. And I want you to think about something. No matter what the news has been this week, no matter who's gotten sick, who might get sick, how this virus is being transmitted, how we're going to be quarantined, no matter what, God's creation is still there. His glory is still there. We can see how beautiful God is. Driving in this morning, there's nothing like driving into church, the church building that is, on a Sunday morning when it's cold and clear and the sun is peeking over the mountain. God reveals himself in creation Creation speaks to every single one of us. That has not changed. Even though our current affairs and circumstances have changed, I want to encourage you to think about that. Because God's creation is still there. And that is just a small picture of the reality of God's true glory and greatness. Even though our circumstances change, God never changes. Are you seeing God? David's point is this. Creation is so great, how much greater is God? Isaac Watts put it like this. Nature with open volume stands to spread her maker's praise abroad. But as we move on in this Psalms, in Psalm 19, we get to verse 7, and we see that the law of the Lord is perfect. And we see literally that God now not only reveals himself in creation, but he specifically, and in theological terms we call that specific revelation or special revelation, revealed himself through his word. And God describes his word in six different ways. If you read verses 7 through 10, you'll pick them up. We see the law, we see his testimony, we see his precepts, we see his commands, we see the fear of the Lord, all of these ideas describing God's word and describing himself. But I want you also to see something else, and that is thirdly, that God wants to be revealed in our heart. In our heart. Look at verse 8. So if you're in your notes, we're past the intro, we're past the first three things. God reveals himself in creation. God reveals himself in scripture. But God wants to reveal himself to your heart. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about his comfort. Who he is. What he does. What he longs for in your life. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right. What does it mean that we're right? When it says God's word or precepts, that means his teaching. When God teaches us in his word, it is right. That's what precepts mean. The word right there literally means to make or to be straight should sound familiar. It's the same mentality that is in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. 
See, when God teaches us in his word, it is right. It is straight. It's straight. It's not crooked. It's not perverse. But it's straight. It's what all things in our life can be measured by. It's like this. You know, in your house, my house, you have that place where you have either on the door jam or now on the side of the wall or on a special board, you have measurements and you take a straight and level mark or board and you mark people's heights. You see growth in their life by that straight mark that you put on that board, that door jam, that wall, to see how much your kids have grown. It's precious. But that's what God's word is. And I want to remind you, now that we've seen that God is all of these wonderful things, that we need to trust him, I want to put forth this, that in order to continue to trust him, you need to let his teaching and his word make your life straight. How do we know that the path in front of us is straight? How do we know what God is doing? How do we know that we can be comforted? How do we know where peace comes from? How can we have joy? It comes through the teaching of God's word. That's why we're here. James Montgomery Boyce and his infinite wisdom, he said this, right in this passage does not mean correct as opposed to being wrong. That idea here is seen more in a word of trustworthiness. Right means straight as opposed to being crooked and is linked to the idea of, of becoming righteous. Verse 8 teaches that walking in a straight path or in an upright manner brings Literally, the text means this. This is me. That scripture gives us the right path to walk on and does not contradict God. There is no contradiction in God's way. There is no contradiction that leads us away from God, but it brings us to the heart of God. Did you see the next important thing there? Rejoice in the heart. God's word is straight, and it produces joy in the heart. Literally, what it's talking about is this. It's a deep-seated emotion that encompasses the mind, the body, the spirit. In fact, it means that you literally start jumping around for joy. That's the context of this verse. The word of God produces in us a joy that causes us to express. How do we deal with life right now? Allowing God's word to straighten us out. You know, like mom used to do. I'll just leave it at that. But God's word straightens us all out. Put it together with the heart God's word produces a sustainable, complete emotion that causes our heart to skip a beat. Contrary to emotions that can never sustain our life during the circumstances that we face. But God's word can sustain us in all things.
Did you notice the rest of verse 8? Not only does it make the heart rejoice, but the commands of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. What is enlightening the eyes? Well, you see, the commands of the Lord is actually when we obey the teaching of the Lord. So when we act upon the teaching of the, of the Lord and we obey the Lord, not only does our heart skip a beat and it rejoices and our path is straight before us, but our eyes are enlightened. And it sounds like wisdom, but literally what it means is an eternal joy. Our heart not only is filled with joy, but our eyes are filled with joy. I don't know about you, but some of our eyes are very expressive. I can tell when people are tired. I can tell when people are sad. I can tell a lot of things by people's eyes. Some people's eyes are more expressive than others. But, let me ask you this. When you come across somebody this week, are your eyes going to be sad? Are they going to be filled with the light and glory of our Savior? Can you encourage them? Can you tell them of the hope that is within you? When we're in God's word, we can. Because the outcome is this. It lightens our eyes. It brings joy to our eyes. It literally means this. It gives our eyes light to shine, to become light. The eyes are considered to be the windows to the soul. And when we use God's word, when we follow God's word, our eyes become light. The conclusion is this, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my deliverer. I want to encourage you, wherever you are right now, to meditate. Think about God's Word. Dwell upon God's Word. Act upon God's Word. Because by, by meditating, reading, focusing on God's Word, obeying God's Word, we acknowledge the Lord, and, the, and this becomes stones that become the foundation of the fortress in our life. Remember, God said, in Psalm 56, he is our fortress. He is our ever-present help in the time of need. When you dig into God's word daily, you obey God's word daily, it brings a new light to your soul. It encourages us. Don't underestimate the living and abiding word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. His living word, Jesus Christ himself, becomes the stones that pile up in our life, that become the fortress that helps us to live in these times. As we close, there's some questions that I put in your notes that I gave to your group leaders that you can work through this week. Those of you that don't have or haven't printed them out or don't have them on your computer, I wrote down five questions. Question one, do you look for God? 
Or let me put it this way. Are you looking for God? Number two, when you look for God, if you do, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Question three, what are you using to see God? Please turn off your TVs. I see a God who cares and loves in the midst of all that embattles our world. God is above all things and he is in all things and he is using all things. He's using our circumstances right now. Number four, why is God's word more important than just gaining knowledge? We see a truth here in Psalm 19. I love verse 7. Laws, God's word, revive our soul. Why is God's word more important than just gaining knowledge? Number five, who are you expecting to see this week? Many of us can say not very many people because we're quarantined. But who are you expecting to see? That is my prayer for us that we would Use God's word, Psalm 19, to be our guide, to be truth in our life, not just to be knowledge. And I pray that you will study this further, you'll ask these questions, and that you will use God's word this week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time, even through all the hiccups, all the snafus, all the things that are hard with technology. I'm still thankful for the way that you allow us to connect. May we use your word to connect with each other to grow the body this week. To grow the body in strength and encouragement and joy. But may we also share the hope to the world that doesn't have any hope. May they see the light and glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you that you came and lived a perfect life, a life that became the perfect sacrifice. We are sinners, and you, God, have demanded a perfect sacrifice to pay your sin. Jesus, thank you for being that perfect sacrifice, dying and then raising again into a new life, sitting at the right hand of God. Lord, you are in a position of all authority. You are perfect. You are holy. We are not. Lord, help us to remember our salvation, the good news. We need your good news. Help us to live out that good news of what you did for us, that we are not worthy, but you are worthy. That you are the everlasting God who never changes. That even though things are hard right now, you are already ahead of us, straightening out the path. And your word helps us to see that. May we trust you with all our heart and not lean on our current circumstances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.